person, person, woman, man, man. If you count the legal votes, aerial view, I easily win. Will Chris, myself, Why? end times, talk radio, doing a lot of bad things, and we have a lot of shenanigans. Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time, and it makes people corrupt, even if they aren't. Call seven six zero four two two five five two eight. Destroyed our system. It's the pound. Thank you very much. <laughs> You have a podcast? True. Oh, yeah, I invented them. Play have it, Chris. Let him 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 have it, Chris. There's a button, a switch for everything. What's that? You're listening to Aerial View, worldwide on the internet. Nobody's got this. What's going to happen? So, how are you all doing? Come on, you know better than that. What kind of radio show is this? I've heard his voice on the tape and it really put the hook in Good evening, 
gentlemen of the radio audience. Very auspicious beginning. Sure, the talk show. You know, people phone in and make a beef. Oh, what about? Whatever happens to bug you, that's what you talk about. Sometimes he agrees with the caller, other times he sets them straight. you might want to do that makes you happy or gives you pleasure for the moment. Those are manufactured rights that jerk this country off onto the left towards the socialist side of this. You want to know what I think? I think there's some kind of deviated prevert and that you were organizing some kind of mutiny of preverts. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. We kill you pretty soon. about being upset is that besides it sometimes being a turn on to women is that it's not a state that you really want to be in when you make an important decision. Well, I'm glad I don't have any important decisions to make anytime soon. Oh. Boy, did I miss doing this show last week. I, I couldn't be here and thought I ran a replay, but it might have just been an hour of silence. And hey, can't we all use an hour of silence after all? Huh? I long sometimes for just an hour of silence. To be able to hear my own thoughts. And then I, I, want, I, I worry about what I might hear. What my thoughts might, might, might be telling me. It's Aerial View here on thehoundnyc.com. In the year of our Lord 2020, I don't know whose Lord he is. Frankly, I've said this before, and if you've listened to this show long enough, it's been around since 1989. You've heard me, no doubt, repeat myself, but so what? Some things bear repeating. I don't believe in the supernatural Jesus. The one who was resurrected, rolled away the stone three days after he was crucified, all that crap. I believe in natural Jesus. And he kind of like the way R. Crumb would draw him. TheHoundNYC.com is where on uh, Sundays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time you can hear the Hound Howl. And uh, live, live, live. Real records being spun with your uh, screaming rock and roll and your 
hillbilly and your gospel and your R&B and your scratchy 45 and 78s. <sighs> it's so much fun. Keep it greasy. And then at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, Mark and Miriam crashing the party. Doo-wop chop shop of the year. You got those doo-wops on vinyl. And this program uh, airs every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, except for when I can't be here. And I couldn't be here last Friday because I've uh, opened a store. Yes, that's right. In the midst of a pandemic, I opened a retail establishment. Crazy, right? Crazy. Cuckoo. Nutsy cuckoo. Crazy. The hell was I thinking? Something I've been talking about for a while, though, and it's in the blood because my dad had a store there in uh, Great Barrington, Massachusetts for years called uh, Memories. I uh, did not use that name. My store is called That Cave, as in That Cave under Pop Vintage. Pop Vintage is my cousin Jen's store. And uh, she's been at it for a while. They're in Saugerties, New York. And I started getting this thought a couple of years ago. Maybe I could do that. Maybe I can sell stuff, huh? Maybe, just maybe, I could do that. And so I decided, what the hell? I'll dive in. Let me dive right in. And I did. And now, I got a store. It's pretty amazing, really. I mean, I I'd never thought I would be a shopkeep. Chris T. Shopkeep. I like the way that sounds. And uh, I've learned a thing or two in just, I don't know, the month or so. been trying to do this thing. And... I thought I would talk about some of that tonight. Talk about some of what I've learned. First, I'm going to try to return this call. Let's see. We did get a call here. And by the way, our guest in uh, just about, I don't know, uh, 10 minutes from now, uh, returning champion Ken Katkin will join us. Let's take a moment first to do this. Hello? I'm returning your call. Oh. Am I going to be on the air? You are on the air right now. Oh. So, uh, tell you, yeah, I left you a message. Tell, how, first of all, Chris, how are you? You know, I went and got a COVID test today. That's how I am. How are you? Oh, so, uh, so wait, so what's, is it the quick, was it, you do the saliva or you do the nose? You know, they said they wanted blood. They wanted urine. They wanted sperm. And they wanted fecal matter. So I just handed them my underwear. Yeah, that's very efficient. 
That's a very old joke. I, I stole that joke. Yeah, but you delivered it very well. Thank you. It snuck, <laughs> it snuck up on you, right? It's, I, I saw it coming, and you know, I still wanted to get it at the punchline, and you know what? It's still funny. You know, I love jokes like that. Thank you for not giving away the punchline. Uh, no, I, don't you, you know, love when people do that? Don't you love when people do that? I hate when they, people do that. No, they. It, <laughs> this was a finger prick. And, uh... I, what, what was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then they hit me with the swab. I wasn't expecting a swab. You know, I was kind of hoping there wasn't a swab, but then I was, like, two or three cars back, and I said, shit, there's a swab. I can see the swab. So how and high they, up does it go? I've heard about this. I heard it goes pretty high. It goes just a couple of millimeters, centimeters south of your brain, I think. Is really yeah, what it, I heard yeah. it comes out the eye, doesn't it? Is that how it works? Oh, it made me tear up, and it made me start coughing. It made me, you know, it's just like they they shoved it. And then the, for some reason, the right nostril, she held it up there extra long on the right nostril. I don't know why. You know, my my employer, Rutgers, who I don't speak about that often, we developed the saliva test, which is a lot easier to do. Yeah, well, how come they don't have that where I went? Rutgers. Yeah, well, I, I, Thanks I, a lot, I, Rutgers. I, 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 can't, I can't answer that. They ain't got it. They ain't got it. And so, the only reason I went is because on Wednesday, I had probably the worst explosive diarrhea of my life. That's not a symptom. Well, it, it is in 20% of uh, patients. It is a I'll take those odds, as Homer Simpson says. And then as it turns out... It was probably this black cherry juice that I drank. I thought I was being smart. I picked up a bottle of black cherry juice when I was in a supermarket the other day. And, and, I, and I sat down to have lunch on Wednesday. And I said, oh, let me drink a big, tall glass of black cherry juice. <laughs> and, then, and then about an hour later, I shit my fucking brains out. Wait, I mean, I just I couldn't question. stop shitting. <laughs> Did you have a McRib for lunch? That might have been the cause. No, I didn't have a McRib. I'm trying to remember what I actually had with the black cherry juice. And I, I, I had some homemade pasta fazool and, I, and a piece of bread with butter on it and a piece of Gruyere cheese. That's <laughs> you know, what I had. Without getting too personal, having you know explosive diarrhea with black cherry juice can be very frightening. You know, I was scared literally shitless because by the time this was over, I had no more shit in me. It was like you were preparing for a colonoscopy. It really was. I don't think this is a COVID issue, but I'm glad you had the test. And I started getting worried, and that's what this COVID thing is doing to us. It's like I started thinking, what if it's the corona? What if I got the rona? Because I, I was starting. I think it's the sore throat and lack of taste. Well, well we I've always had a lack so of taste. That. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> that that can't be an indicator in my case. But I I, I do think that. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't know what to say. I think we just lost our signal here. Hang on, let me see if I can get this thing working oh. again. Yeah, go ahead. Because we ahead. may we may be off the air. Hang on just a second. Let me <laughs> let me do this. And it's like an imperfect. It's an imperfect technology. I I, I understand. I, it's many things yeah, are these it's, days. It's 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 totally. Imperfect. So, so just play for time. Just like uh, act like you were, you know. Let's. I'll tell you what. When we come back, we'll both be laughing really hard, like everybody missed a really, <laughs> right. a really, really good joke. 
okay. I hope that... Will that do it? Let's see. Oh, man. I got to figure out why it's doing this. This is really a bummer. All right. Uh, hang on just a second. I'm going to do this. And then I'll do that. And then I'll do this. I'm going to have to edit this all out for the podcast. That's going to be fun. And let's see. Thanks for your patience. I appreciate it. Sometimes things happen. I think it was the discussion of the explosive diarrhea. That <laughs> it edited it out on its own. <laughs> I think it just couldn't. It's like, you're disgusting. The AI decided we're not going there. <laughs> I think that's what it was. All right, we're back. I got the oh, thing good, working okay. again. So, uh, so, so yeah. yeah. Let me. Yeah, so I had an. So I've had an interesting back to back. I had a root canal followed by a haircut. The haircut is better. Okay, yeah, definitely better. Definitely better. <laughs> uh, you know, back in the day, I guess they would do both at the same place, right? The, By the same person. Yeah. You know, I actually thought about that. Good point. Yeah. Well, what do you want done first? You want the root canal or a haircut? We use the same instruments. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, so, yeah, so I think uh, where I was going with this, what I was talking about the opening of the store and the number of people that came through there last weekend and... You know, it was a pretty good time. I had a lot of people come through, and it was great. It's a beautiful place. For you folks on the air who haven't seen it, it's a beautiful store, judging from the pictures. Beautiful store. Thank you for that. And uh, hopefully... Wooden floor. The wooden floor is a big seller. That's a nice space. You like the wooden floor, huh? Good. I do. I think, that, I think I didn't expect to see that. That's really nice. Very happy about that. And uh, someday you'll make it up there. Who knows? But... Uh, this weekend I'm going to be open. It's pretty much going to be by appointment because my cousin's not open. So if you want to get into the store, you're going to have to call. There'll be a note on the door, call, and then I'll uh, let you in through the back. Yes, that's right. There's going to be some hot backdoor action at the store. You don't this want weekend. the foot. Is there is a reason why you're doing it that way as opposed to last weekend? Well, because my cousin's not open, and the only way to get into the store otherwise would oh. be through her store. So. Now, if she's not open, you can come around back and knock on the window or knock on the door. I'm going to be in there doing inventory and then softly crying over uh, what may be the worst decision of my life. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. It's not. I'm, it's going to be great. It's, I'm withholding hey, did you judgment. Read, this sort of insider. Did you, did you read the New York Times story on, on Shopify? Maybe you should deal something with those guys. Shit, the, uh, Shopify? What? What is that? There was a know. great story in the New York Times Magazine uh, about how Shopify works. It's, uh, it's all merchant-based as opposed yeah. to uh, Amazon that is uh, customer-based. All right. I, anyway, just I, 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 I Listen, do you think I went out of my mind opening a retail establishment so I could ship <laughs> things to people? I am, I, I'm telling you, that's the number one thing people are asking me. Will you ship that to me? I live in Baltimore. I can't get there. Will you ship that to me? No. You're, you're complaining about people who want to buy stuff No, from I'm your complaining store. about having to ship stuff. Like, why would I be paying all of this rent and utilities and everything else so I could ship stuff to you? That's not what I got into this for. I got into this to have a store, to have the thrill of the hunt, to have people come <laughs> in and walk out with something they didn't know they were going to buy. That's you can why have both. I I don't I listen, it may happen. But I literally just opened, and I and I can't believe the number of people. The two questions I'm getting are, will you ship that to me, and do you do consignment? And the answer to that is also no, because that's a royal pain. And I, you know, it. I don't know. Don't get don't get me started. It's gonna be all right. Chris, 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 it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. I'm giving you a vote of confidence. It's gonna be okay. 
Regardless of what you do, it's going to be okay. All right. There. Well, there I you said th- it. Thanks for that. If we don't all die from the COVID. Uh, well, all we're right. all going to die. Just, you know. Well, I mean, soon, sooner rather than later is what I mean. <laughs> I, uh, I hope we both... Can you do both... consignment at the store, by the way? Uh, no. I will not do... Did I mention the explosive diarrhea? What if you were having explosive diarrhea while you were getting a root canal? That would be something, yeah. Now you'd really have a story to tell someday. So there I was getting root canal when suddenly all the black cherry juice I drank kicked in. Wait, wait, so what exactly is, where do you even buy black cherry juice? Is it in a bottle? Is it, it in comes, a court? It's in a, what do you, is it in a bottle? No, they pour it into your hands. Is it in a bottle? <laughs> no, uh, it's available at the store. Don't buy it. What possessed you to, to you to drink black cherry juice? It was in the refrigerator and it was cold and I wanted something besides water. And uh, there you go, my first mistake. Is it and like, then, uh, from, was it from concentrate? Or was it like pure, you know, organic black cherry it's, juice? It's, it's pure, like I think uh, Sweet Tea said, is something like eight pounds of cherries in every bottle. And you're wondering, never mind, you're wondering why. So this... So the cherry juice caused you to get a COVID test. I, I guess the good. cherry juice cleaned me out like there was no tomorrow. And then uh, just like uh, Donald Trump was trying to clean out democracy uh, and make it shit its pants and give it explosive diarrhea, that's what happened. You should have had the black cherry juice and some white castles and some strong black coffee. By the way, this is going to go down uh, as a record for the number of times I said explosive diarrhea on the program. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy! I prefer the word volcanic diarrhea. I think it's more appropriate, actually. Well, no, but volcanic implies that it's shooting straight up. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, that's not going to happen. Explosive sounds like your whole body's exploding. Well, um... How about propulsive diarrhea? I like that. That's pretty good, too. Hey, I got to call Ken Katkin. Bye, Jeff. I'll listen to your show. Good to talk talk to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye -bye. Saying goodbye to you. Hanging up on uh, Jeff there, and picking up on Ken Katkin, who's been on this program before many times. Uh, I think, hopefully, he Uh, can. Can you hear? um, Can you hear me, Chris? Yeah, we got to go through this every time, I guess. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Every time. Right. I was listening to the show, and then I, I had to turn off the radio. I'm embarrassed that you were listening to the show. Now I'm embarrassed. Well, like uh, otherwise I wouldn't fight. have known about the explosive diarrhea. You know, slowly I turned, inch by inch, step by step. It's going to be like my Niagara Falls or Susquehanna Hat Company now, I guess. That's right. If you don't know those references, congratulations, you're young. What can I say? Um, I, I am not. And I've seen a lot of things in my day, Ken Katkin. But I never thought I would see the assault on democracy that I am seeing now. Ken Katkin has been here before. He's a professor of law at uh, Northern Kentucky University at the Chase uh, Law Center. And he's an expert on constitutional law, among other things. And that's why uh, people keep having him on. He's been on the television. He's been on the radio. Uh, Have you been on ham radio yet? Anybody like from the ham radio (laughs) world reach out? I actually, the truth is, yes. Um, there's a there's a ham radio club in uh, in Cincinnati, and they they recently uh, recruited me and and uh, taught me how to use the set. And I could get a license plate here in Ohio. If you if you have an a- amateur radio license. 
for ham radio, you can get that on the license plate of your car with a with a broadcast antenna and everything. Wow. I'm amazed that there are still people uh, doing the ham radio, just like when I'm impressed when anyone sets up a train set anymore. It's like the, and you know, they're the same people. The person with the train set is the ham radio person as well. So that's good to know. But uh, I don't know. Do you have a train set? Let's just get that out of the way right now. I, I don't have, have one. You have a train um, set. My, my, there is one uh, that I, my, my father-in-law uh, passed away recently. and We may stand to inherit one, and then I will have one. Oh, okay. They, that's how most people get train sets. <laughs> yeah. Somebody old dies. Uh, also, <laughs> the host of uh, Trash Flow Radio. How, how are things over at Trash Flow Radio? Oh, they're, they're pretty good. Um, yeah, that's that's my that's my regular uh, music show that I do on Saturday afternoons. Um, From three to five in Cincinnati. That's right. Uh, I think I spoke over the call letters. Waif, you said. Yeah. Let's uh, make it clear to people. And uh, you're on Facebook as Trash Flow Radio. So uh, go and find Ken there. But uh, the reason I, I like having you on the program is to suss out just the many different ways that. Uh, the 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 constitution is uh, being subverted undermined tossed aside um you know the other night the wife and i sweet tea and i started watching what the constitution means to me that one woman show that um, ran on broadway for a while and then became uh, you know became a production on the television and uh we we only got halfway through it going to finish it but you begin to fall in love with the document all over again. You begin to fall in love with uh, what the Constitution is. And and um, I, I don't know. I, I Are we going to – I ask you this. I've asked you this before. I'll ask it again. The stress test that we're going through right now, does this rise to the level of a crisis? I mean, should we be concerned that what is happening now will, will do real damage to our republic, to our democracy? You know, I think it'll do some damage. Um, I think it would have been a lot worse if the election had been a lot closer, because I think the the, the sort of assault we're seeing right now on, de on democracy in the post-election period, um, it ends up having a kind of comic uh, tinge to it because there was no hope it could succeed, you know, given how many states um, would have had to be turned around and, and how some of those states weren't even all that close. Um, but if you imagine the, the election being considerably closer than it was, if, if it came down to only one or two states instead of six states, and, and, if, and, if, and if those states were um, either even deeper in current Republican control or, or just closer, um, you know, I, I think that you know, the assault that we're seeing on our democracy right now could possibly have succeeded. You know, I, but, but the lasting effects of a president who decides to... Uh, go f to fully lean into this conspiracy theory that somehow the election has been stolen from him, that he is the legitimate winner, and uh, whereas uh, the president-elect Joe Biden is now closing in on 7 million more popular votes, I think the Electoral College is 306 for him to 200 and change for Donald Trump. And he shows no sign, Donald Trump, of letting go of this particular thing that that he he's going to ride this all the way i guarantee you on his deathbed he will be talking about how this election was stolen from him oh yeah and he's you know he's making money off that i mean he's 
in, he's fundraising like crazy for these challenges, and he's not really putting that money into the challenges. He's just putting it right in his own pocket. And I think he's going to keep fundraising for the next four years on this idea that he's running again in 24, although I doubt he's running again in 24. Um, but I, I don't think we'll find that out until the summer of 24. And, uh, you know, he, yeah, he, it's, he's not going to let this go. And, and, you know, he still has lawsuits pending today. He's, he's also still trying to really salt the earth in terms of um, while he has control of the government for another six weeks, you know, he's, he's really trying to destroy things as best he can for the, for the country and in the government. And that includes uh, pardoning uh, Michael Flynn, who uh, then went and retweeted or forwarded some kind of insane uh, thing about how there needs to be martial law and a lockdown in the country and that uh, they need to suspend, I don't know what, the writ of habeas corpus. What else are, what else are they going to call for? I mean, what, and I, I, I just, um, I, I'm, I'm between the pandemic and this thing, I'm, I'm not sure which one is, I think they're both pretty bad, but this is really bad. This feels really bad to me. This idea that 70 plus million Americans are going to go around with these thoughts in their head about how, uh, the election was stolen. It's illegitimate. We need to do something about it. We need to take it back. Whatever. Uh, who was it in Georgia who said that this is going to lead to people dying? That people are going to get yeah, shot that, and killed. That, that, that was the deputy secretary of state who's in charge of elections um, in Georgia, and he's he's the one who said that. And he's he's a Republican. Um, I don't think he's an elected official, but his boss, the secretary of state, is an elected official, and then he's a he's a deputy of the secretary of state. So what do we do? Uh, what do we do with all of this? I mean, how uh, I, again and again and again, I hear this thing about um, and I know this isn't strictly about the Constitution, but you have uh, you, you are a wide ranging individual. And, and, I, <laughs> and I get tired of this question about, like, how do we reach out to these aggrieved people? How do we how do we make them join us again? How do we bring them into the fold? How do we how do Democrats regain the working class you know because if you're going to buy into that thing and i don't know if i buy into it fully that the democrats lost the working class because i guarantee you if you started asking people in the cities working class people in the cities if they were Repu republicans or work or democrats they would say democrats i think we're talking about rural the rural working class more than anything else what what do we uh, what do we do about them? What do we do about these people who really think the Republican Party has their best interests in mind? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, you know, you're you're usually uh, more blunt, um, but and you kind of danced around it this time. But I think the word you didn't say there is is white. You know, um, Donald Trump is the president of white America. He he carried the white vote, um, and 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 that's really the the rural, urban rural divide that you're. You're seeing, and and when a lot of commentators talk about the the working class, you know they they kind of have this silent word white. They're talking about the white working class, right? Because the yeah the the non-white working class is overwhelmingly uh, democratic, you know, upwards of ninety percent um, de democratic. So it's it's uh it's really it's really white people, and you know you have to wonder um, how much of how much of the reason they they cling to Trumpism is is based on racism, and if it is, you know, what can be done about it? Well, white grievance is what we've heard about for many years. Look, I, I know I've said this to you before. I spent 12 years talking to truck drivers. I feel like that's a key 
to unlocking a lot of this. They are aggrieved people by and large. They feel disrespected. They feel like they're, you know, like the Democrats are now the party of the elites somehow and don't care about them anymore and aren't paying attention to their issues. I I tend to agree with you. I, I do think that there's a lot about um, this idea of your whiteness somehow being suppressed or repressed or whatever it might be. I'm not sure it's anything. Look, I, I, I feel like, um, you know, it, it is it's tough to talk about because whenever you bring this up with Trump supporters, I don't know if any are listening right now. The standard thing they'll say is like, how far are you going to get calling all of us racists? You're not going to get very far with that. It's kind of insulting. I mean, I'm playing Diabolus Avocatus here, Ken Katkin, devil's advocate, because this is what I hear all the time. I hear these things about how you're not going to make any friends laying down this whole thing about how you're racists and you don't, uh, you know, I, I don't know. We're, and it's so confusing to me because, yes, I do think there is a racial component to it, but how do we talk about it? How do we talk about it with these people? Yeah, I don't even have an answer. And I've been, uh, you know, I mean, I, I work as a professor in Kentucky. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, that's the population. There is the kind of people we're talking about. And um, I still, you know, I, the only way I know how to do it is one person at a time. I don't I don't really know how to 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 change um, uh, the way groups think about things. And uh um, and it's difficult. And I, I do actually agree with what, what you said. You don't win friends by calling people racists. But on the other hand, um, if you want to just kind of uh, diagnose or analyze what the problem is, um, I think racism is, is the problem that's, in, in, that's diseased our political system. And, uh, um, and yet the solution to that problem may not be in calling it out. So I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's a very hard problem. It's a very hard problem. Let's talk about Kentucky for a minute because you mentioned Kentucky and uh, Mitch McConnell still uh, trying to downgrade this uh, stimulus package, this emergency stimulus package of roughly $908 billion. He wants somewhere around $500 billion. He wants protection for corporations so they can't be sued if you get the COVID from uh, working for somebody. He uh, doesn't want to extend any unemployment benefits. It really is like if I was casting uh, It's a Wonderful Life, he would he would have to be Mr. Potter. That's yeah. uh, There's no other person that I would pick for the role. But um, what, what is it like to be in Kentucky and to have Mitch McConnell in the mind in your mind all the time or or, or am i projecting is it just me no it, it's it's interesting you know I, I think that the people of kentucky kind of paradoxically they don't like mitch mcconnell much better than you like mitch mcconnell you know he's not popular in kentucky in fact the, the junior senator from kentucky Rand paul is actually very considerably more popular than than mitch mcconnell but um but they keep voting for him um simply because they 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 demonize democrats you know, and so the the fact that he's not a Democrat is enough for the majority of the people to vote for him. But th those same people who are um, voting for him, they'd be the first to tell you they don't like him at all. But they just it's like the devil, you know, so as long as he's not a Democrat, then it's OK. Yeah, because they yeah. they um, you know, they, they somehow believe, you know, the Democrats are waging, you know, the war on uh, Christian values and and. Uh, are going to make things, um, you know, are going to going to give special rights to gay people and 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 black people, and you know that that's kind don't of don't forget the, way they the see Jews, that. And, and don't they, forget they them. Don't, they don't want them. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget. I 
listen, I, I it's 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 almost like uh, let's talk about the Civil War for just a minute because yeah. I I was reading about Thanksgiving and you know Lincoln creating Thanksgiving essentially because of the Civil War and I feel like is it hyperbole all this reading I'm doing about how you know things are as bad now as it was then I mean I, uh, yeah uh, of course um, that it is hyperbole I'm going to answer my own question because then you had slave owners who essentially wanted to keep owning slaves. Or they wanted slavery. They wanted to allow it to expand to other parts of the country, and um, so uh, yeah. But I, I do feel like, in terms of our inability to hear the other side, to see the other side, to care about the other side, it's it feels pretty bad to me. It's as bad as it's ever been in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, the Civil War it was worse because you had, I mean, besides the obvious fact that the country literally. Um, almost fell apart and, and people took up arms against each other and a, a significant segment of the population got killed in that war. Um, and and a, a, a lot of, uh, you know, most of the white people in the southern half of the country thought that the preservation of slavery was more important than the preservation of the United States of America. Uh, I don't think it's quite that bad now, um, but uh, but it's not great. And that thing about understanding each other, I mean, I think it's pretty one-way street now. I think I think Northerners, Democrats, people like that, are constantly trying to understand, you know, why why these white uh, Republicans vote the way they do, um, but it's only in the other direction that that there's no attempt at, at understanding. I think so. It it's it can be frustrating. I think to you know to to be sort of a, a, a northern liberal and and try to think, well, how can we reach these these um, these southern white people? What what do they want? What what are, what are they thinking about? How can I understand them? And and in in the reverse, it's just pretty much raw hatred. Yeah, that's the part of the equation that I can't quite suss out. I mean, I, I can't quite figure out why it's always us that's supposed to understand them. Right. And 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 they're never asked to do the same. They're never asked to understand what you and I might have gone through to get to where we are, the struggles that we had, the things we had to put up with, and why we think the way we do and believe the things we do. They're not they're just not interested in and it's that kind of wholesale discounting of somebody's story that they are – I mean, is it just projection that they're always accusing others of the behavior in which they themselves are engaged? Because I, I feel like that's a really – it's a powerful way to figure out Donald Trump among – you know, and, and, and his followers as well. They, they seem to engage in this incredible amount of projection where – they're always saying that you're doing the exact things that they're doing. So if it's, you know, you're cheating, you're defrauding me, you're running some kind of scam, it's obvious they're telling you what, what they're doing. I mean, in his case, he I don't think he I think he was grifting from the moment he came out of the womb. I I think he was yeah. like an infant <laughs> grifter and he just and, and that's that's really how he's made his way through life and I don't know. Everyone keeps talking about his fall, but I don't see it quite yet. Do you think once yeah, he's think, out of the White I think House, you're, we're not com you're care? completely right about Trump? I mean, yeah. uh, Trump and the people around him, you know, anything that they accuse anyone else of, it means that that's what they're doing. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it, it flows all the way down to all the 70 million uh, Trump voters. I don't know that they're all grifters like that. I think they've just kind of uh, bought into a very um, us against them kind of uh, ideology. Um, which isn't quite the same thing as being a grifter, but it's 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 still a it's still a problem. 
Well, uh, now we got to drill down on the real th- reason I wanted to talk to you, which was about these preemptive pardons and whether yeah. or not, because I mentioned Michael Flynn, there, we we think that there's going to be a raft of pardons, right? In the in the 47 days that Donald Trump has left, he's going to be pardoning people left and right. And the last time we spoke, there was this thought of like, okay, can a president pardon himself? Uh, this is really the crux of the issue to me because. You could say, yes, the president can pardon anybody up to himself, but it's never been done that a president's pardoned himself. So in Donald Trump's case, pardoning Ivanka, Donald Jr., Eric, uh, Tiffany, whoever might be in his family, Melania. Uh, By the way, when you pardon people, is it true that you have to sort of lay out what they might be guilty of because you can't just pardon people and not say what crimes you're pardoning them for? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a lot of these are very uncharted areas because um, well, there's but- literally never even been um, uh, a court case to, to rule on any of the, the these questions you're asking because no one's ever used the pardon in these kinds of ways. The the, the biggest sort of most, mo- most well-known example of a blanket pardon is when um, Gerald Ford gave a blanket pardon to Richard Nixon for all crimes related to the um, Watergate break-in and subsequent investigations. Um, but the thing is, we, we don't know whether that was valid or not, because um, no, nobody ever subsequently tried to actually prosecute Nixon for those crimes after he was pardoned. So, you know, if, if Trump gives out all these pardons, the, the only way we'll really know whether he can do that or not is if the Biden administration goes ahead and prosecutes him for some of the same crimes that he pardoned himself for or, or pardoned some of his cronies for, and, and then we'll find out. Um, I do think there's some valid arguments that he can't do that. Um, for instance, the although the Constitution gives the president the the pardon power, um, it also gives him the um, responsibility to take care that the laws are faithfully executed. And so, oh well, fuck use, that. I mean, use, come yeah, on. Yeah, but but using using the pardon power to um, essentially get away with crimes that he himself committed. Uh, would seem so inconsistent with the responsibility to take care that the laws are faithfully executed that that one could argue that that means that the pardon power can't include the power to pardon himself for his own uh, crimes. But what about, um, but yeah, what about the crazy scheme where he steps down momentarily, temporarily from the presidency, Mike Pence takes over and pardons Donald Trump, and then Donald Trump regains the presidency? I mean, is that even possible? Because it's not that's... possible for him to regain the presidency right then. You mean he gets reelected in four years to the presidency? No, 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 no. I mean he temporarily turns over the presidency to 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 Mike Pence, steps down, and Mike Pence pardons him, and then he he retakes the presidency. Is that well, possible? That, Can that a president... probably can't happen. So the, the, I think what you're talking about there is there, there's a mechanism under the Twenty Fifth Amendment which has. Um, Never been used, you know, for any. That's why he's. Of time. That's why he's going to use it. It's never been used. Yeah. Well, but but it actually involves um, that there has to be a, a stated basis that he's um, physically or mentally disabled and what unable if he to, has explosive um, diarrhea? Powers of office. No. What's that? <laughs> explosive <laughs> diarrhea. I mean, that that's very untested. I think okay. some people have I've heard more people say he might resign the presidency just on January 19th, the day before he, his term would be done and and let Pence be president for a day and, and, and pardon him. And he wouldn't have to take it back. And I, I think that's probably a more realistic alternative than him 
using the 25th Amendment mechanism and then trying to take it back because, um, you know, there'd be I think there'd be more legal questions available in court about whether it was a proper invocation of the 25th Amendment. And that wouldn't be necessary if he if he simply resigned the presidency um, a day or even six hours before Biden's inauguration. Um, you know, maybe he wakes up at six in the morning that morning and resigns the presidency and Pence gets to be president for six hours before Biden becomes president. Then, you know, those kind of schemes could be tried. And, and in, in a sense, that's that's what Ford did. I mean, that's what Nixon did. He, he had two years left in his term, but he resigned um, seemingly with an agreement that Ford would, would pardon him. And Ford did pardon him and gave him a blanket pardon. So, you know, a, a lot of the question of can he do that? really comes down to, um, well, if Biden doesn't respect it, then Biden can try to prosecute him for these crimes anyhow. I and, think that's uh, unlikely. Um, I mean, don't, don't have to decide. I, I, I think it's unlikely. I mean, I'm, I'm disappointed to say this. I think it's really unlikely that we will see any kind of federal prosecution of Donald Trump and his and his criminal enterprise. I think you might see on the state level. Uh, people pressing cases against him, presses being cased against him. But do you buy into this theory that it would be so divisive to prosecute Donald Trump that it's a bad idea? No, I think prosecuting is a good idea, but I but I agree with your prediction that it won't happen. Um, and the reasons I think it won't happen, I think Joe Biden is going to have a very, very divided Congress to deal with. It may still be a Congress that Mitch McConnell controls the Senate. And I think... Um, He's going to be so much more vested in the idea of trying to get some things done um, in, in in Congress um, and not having just complete partisan gridlock from day one that I think he's going to try to lower the temperature on on partisan conflicts. And, and, and you know, so that's not consistent with prosecuting Trump. You know, so I, I really think that's the reason Biden just won't go ahead with it. But but I actually think the right thing to do is to prosecute Trump. I, I think he committed an enormous number of crimes, some of which are laid out right in the Mueller report. Um, others were laid out in the impeachment trial against him. And, you know, there's many others. And uh, um, I, I, I just think it's, it's not uh, good to have a kind of criminal president relying on a mon monarchical view of the presidency that the king can do no wrong um, and just getting away with it. I think but, it's really corrosive to our democracy. But does the ultimate arbiter again become the Supreme Court that is now stacked in his favor? Yeah, you know, I think that's right. But a, a lot of things would have to happen before they became the arbiter. I mean, they'd probably still be stacked in his favor. But you'd have to have first um, Biden actually deciding to prosecute him for these crimes. Then you'd have to have a jury actually convicting him. Uh, and then you'd have to have um, that go up through uh, the Court of Appeals. So, you know, by the time this would actually get to the Supreme Court, none of this would be expedited. It's not like the kind of stuff we're seeing now that's being decided very quickly because of the, uh, um, you know, now there's the press of uh, the Electoral College deadlines and things. But this would take years. You know, I think by the time the Supreme Court got all this, you know, four or five years from now and they they had to decide these questions about whether um, the president could pardon himself and things like that. I don't think they'd be quite as beholden to him personally as they are now. I think I think they'd still be beholden to conservative ideology, but I actually don't know which way conservative ideology goes on these questions. That's an interesting thought because there is talk, too, about uh, a gun rights case that may come up in front of the Supreme Court and how uh, the, the conservative view on this on the Second Amendment might be different than what we've thought for many years, that they might not think that there are so many rights to bear arms and so that it might get another airing. But uh, 
I, before we run out of time, Ken Katkin, I do want to ask you about how immu- like when you were arguing a case in front of any kind of uh, body, did you ever fart audibly? Uh, and uh, how do you feel about Rudy Giuliani audibly <laughs> farting while he uh, gets up there in, I think it was Michigan where yes. this happened? Yeah. It was Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin, yeah. sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he the must case have ate the... a lot of cheese. It's Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that right. I don't know if the case is actually some diarrhea. You know, there is there is that legal maxim, uh, you know, he who smelt it dealt it. Yes, and I heard it was, that. That was actually that woman next to him who was the one who started like um, you know, like sniffing her nose around and looking the other way and things. So maybe she was being overly demonstrative because she's the one who did it. You know, who who knows? But uh, no, I, I never did that. I also never like let um, uh, makeup run down my face with sweat while I was uh, giving an um, an important press conference either. The latest theory is that was mascara he was using on his sideburns because your sideburns go gray before the rest of you. So it wasn't just for men. It wasn't hair dye. It was probably mascara he touched up his sideburns with. Let's just get that straight. Uh, But it is kind of wild to watch these, uh, what is it, Jenna Ellis and, uh, and, and Giuliani and who's this other woman that's been getting up? Uh, oh, uh, Sydney Powell. Sydney Powell, basically with no uh, factual basis for anything they're saying, no evidence. And uh, so, what, what what do you make of all of this? I mean, why are, are they just throwing everything at the wall to see if anything sticks, or is there any thought or plan here? Or are they just trying to get billable hours? What what? And who's paying for all this? Do you think Donald Trump's really gonna? <laughs> pay this $20,000 a day bill of Rudy Giuliani's? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if Trump will pay it or not. I think Trump's raised more than $200 million on this recount thing. So if he if he manages to toss a million dollars at those three, he'll still be $199 oh, million dollars oh, ahead. Oh, you just connected the dots for me. That's why they're doing this. Yeah, That's I mean, why they have to keep doing money. this. Yeah, this is all part of theater. It's the theater of the absurd, but it's all part of this idea of like we're still fighting this thing. We're not going down without a fight. Send me more money so we can fight. That's what this is about. That's part of it. I think another part of it is that this strategy was worked out before the election, and they really didn't know how badly they were going to lose the election. And so this strategy looks very comic because they'd have to make up, you know, eight million votes across six states, which is just impossible. And so they have to say crazier and crazier things. But again, like if this election had been a lot closer then all they really have to do is cast enough shade on the election to get it into a court where um, there there are a lot of friendly courts with Republican judges where if it was as close as Bush v. Gore, they would just give it to Trump, you know, because there'd be some plausible thing they could say about this vote was stolen or that vote was stolen. But when you need to cross numbers like 150,000, you know, it's just, you know, there's no way that any court's going to do that. This is so interesting because I remember reading a lot of stuff before the election saying that Joe Biden would have to win the popular vote by 7 million votes in order to put it out of reach. Like if it was less than 7. And it seems like he's on his way to do that. It seems like he's headed towards 7 million more oh, in the in the yeah, popular vote. It, oh, probably 9 million more because the states that are counting the slowest are New York and California because they have a lot to count and because they're not close. So nobody's rushing them. You know, but I, I think in New York and California, there's another million votes um, that Biden's still going to gain by the time they finish counting. Uh, I'm talking to uh, Ken Katkin. He's a constitutional law professor at uh, Chase uh, School of Law at Northern Kentucky University, also host of Trash Flow Radio. 
Saturdays, 3 to 5 p.m. on uh, WAIF-FM. And um, I do like talking to you about the Constitution and the different ways that uh, it is being subverted and otherwise uh, in trouble. What do, what do you think uh, a Biden pres- presidency, a Biden-Harris administration, uh, wh- what do you think it's going to do for the Constitution and, and to, 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 to revive some respect in that document? Yeah, well, I think they're going to, you know, be much more respectful of the rule of law. Um, I don't think they're going to do as much as I'd like to see them do to really bring um, the, the all the members of the Trump administration to justice. I think they're probably more likely to follow uh, the model that was set by President Obama when he didn't really bring anybody to justice for all the, the torture at Guantanamo and stuff like that. You know, I think they just want to turn the page, but I think they're certainly going to be much more... Um, they're gonna they're gonna be serious about trying to adhere to the rule of law in the in the way they conduct themselves, and it's gonna look a lot more like a normal presidency, and probably just a lot more like the Obama presidency in, in that sense. And in the three minutes we have left, Bill Barr. Let's talk about Bill Barr for a minute, because Bill Barr came out the other day and said we're not finding any fraud. Is he now persona non grata? Will he be fired before this thing is up, before the forty seven days are over? What do you think that was about? Because all along he's been a pretty faithful servant of the, you know, Donald Trump way. So what is going on there? Do you think that ultimately he's trying to have a post-Trump career? Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that too. So I, I, I do think, you know, what he did was very, very dirty when he um, started criminal investigations of um, election fraud in all these states right after the election and before the uh, uh, outcomes were certified, the Justice Department has written policies against doing that, which he violated, right? So so it's it's not permissible for the Justice Department to, to start a fraud investigation before uh, the result of an election is certified, you know, a criminal fraud investigation, because just the fact that they've started one will influence the state's decision whether to certify or not. So so that they're supposed to wait that week or two before they start that. And, and, and what he did was very, very dirty. And then there was a letter from 18, you know, there's 18 career prosecutors, um, assistant U.S. attorneys, they're called, who are sent out to different parts of the country to do these fraud investigations. And they wrote a public letter saying, you know, this is ridiculous. There's no fraud. We've been sent on a political errand in violation of um, uh, Justice Department policies. And and so, you know, the, the resistance that he uh, saw from those career prosecutors and, and the public resistance at that really made it impossible for him to go forward and say that the Justice Department found any evidence of fraud. And then I think once that happened, he either had to decide, you know, is he just going to put his head down and dig in and say nothing? Um, or is he going to try to come out of this looking a little bit more honest than he really was, you know, and say, well, we just did a good faith investigation and we didn't find anything. You know, that's what a good attorney general should do. You know, and, and I think that is to try to preserve a, a, a reputation beyond the end of the Trump administration, not to be associated with these pathetic and disreputable efforts to overthrow the uh, election. Um, although he was certainly part of it, part of it, and he should be associated with it. Well, thank you, Ken Katkin. We're out of time, and uh, I do appreciate it when you can join me on the program. Again, uh, Trash Flow Radio, Saturdays 3 to 5 p.m. at WAIF-FM, and also uh, Northern Kentucky University. If you're in Northern Kentucky, there's only one university for you, Northern Kentucky University, and at the uh, Chase School of Law. It's always good to talk to you. If we don't speak again, 
Um, have a have a good uh, holiday and and uh, a good New Year. Hopefully, better than the last New Year. It's always great to talk to you. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Take thank care. you, Chris. Have a great night. Uh, there he goes, and uh, I will be here again next Friday. But the show will replay on Tuesday at six p.m. Eastern Time, and in between, it becomes a podcast available wherever you get your podcasts: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, now Amazon Music Podcasts as well. And, oh, Spotify and Stitcher and so much more. The Hound returns in just moments here on thehoundnyc.com. 